What does a horror movie, the Catholic Church, and the Protestant Reformation have to do with each other? I get into it on this episode of John Not Quite Calvin. Hello, welcome back to John Not Quite Calvin. If you recall, I am your host, John Not Quite Calvin. So it's, yeah, it's been over a year. The last episode went up on the 18th of September, believe it or not. Uh, it is now October of the next year. Uh, October, if you guys do not know, is actually a very important month, not just because of all of the fantastic cinema and all the great haunted houses and cornfields and things like that. No, no, it's also Reformation Month. That's right. <laughs> Ironically, on October 31st, 1517, the Protestant Reformation is, it's credited as starting on October 31st with the nailing of the 95 Theses uh, by Martin Luther on the castle church door. Uh, so October is kind of unofficially the Reformation month. Ironically, uh, it does coincide with probably one of the strangest secular months, if you think about it, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, horror and scary things like that. Well, if you guys don't know, I am actually a really big uh, horror fan. Uh, I like reading horror books and watching the movies and things like that. So I figured I would give you guys just something a little bit special here. I figured I would give you guys a bit of a, a review slash synopsis of a horror movie that came out recently. But don't worry, it is actually going to be uh, applicable to this podcast because it coincides, interestingly enough, with the Protestant Reformation in a way. So let's just get into it here, shall we? So there was a movie that came out earlier this year uh, called The Unholy. If you guys aren't familiar with this story, uh, let me just give you the storyline from IMDb here. After a supposed visitation from the Virgin Mary, Alice, a young hearing-impaired girl, is inexplicably able to hear, speak, and heal the sick. As word spreads and people from near and far flock to witness her miracles, a disgraced journalist hoping to revive his career visits the small New England town to investigate. When terrifying events begin to happen all around, he starts to question if these phenomena are the works of the Virgin Mary or something much more sinister. So just to give you guys like the review of the movie, it's been forever since I've seen it, but the things I can take away from it, it's okay. Like the cinematography was okay. The acting's actually pretty good. They, they did have a great cast for this movie. Apparently the book that's based off of the book is called um, Shrine. And apparently that book's supposed to be like really good if you like horror books. The movie, th there's a reason IMDb gives it a 5.8 out of 10. It really isn't that great of a movie. It's not really super memorable. One or two scares, but it really, it, it's more reliant on jump scares than the actual atmosphere and the things that are being discussed and talked about. Uh, it could have been done much better, in my opinion. The The subject matter is there and stuff like that, but... It's, it's not a great movie. I really, even if you like horror movies, I don't recommend going to see it. So let's let's get into the reason that you actually are here. 
the theological discussion of the unholy, if you will. <laughs> so the, the premise of the movie, The Unholy, takes place around a Mary apparition. And if you guys don't know, this is actually like a serious thing that the Catholic Church will investigate. If you claim to be visited or to see the Virgin Mary, uh, the Catholic Church usually will investigate. There have been a lot of cases that the Catholic Church has actually confirmed that there is a Mary sighting, and usually they coincide with some sort of miracle in the area. And sometimes the apparitions will actually speak. They'll actually uh, teach something or talk about something that's really important to the Catholic Church. Um, I have a list, actually, of some of these. And let me just go over a couple of the really famous ones, and then let's uh, dive into it and get into it from a biblical worldview, shall we? So... The most famous Mary apparition actually happened in the 13th century. And it's associated directly with what you guys uh, may actually know, if you know anything about Catholicism, uh, the rosary. The story of the rosary, according to Catholic tradition, comes from a Mary apparition, actually. So... <laughs> According to Catholic tradition, the rosary was instituted by the Blessed Virgin Mary herself. In the 13th century, she is said to have appeared to St. Dominic, the founder of the Dominicans, given him a rosary and asked that Christians pray the Hail Mary, Our Father, and Glory Be prayers instead of the Psalms. So that's that's really like the, the most famous one uh rosaries are still used to this day um it's really one of the cornerstones i'd say of the catholic faith uh at the beginning of every service if you go into a catholic church mass before the mass uh there's usually some old women croning on the <laughs> the rosary they get there like half an hour early an hour early and they they read through a, an entire rosary uh, entire rosary. When I was a Catholic, I actually would pray the rosary quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's considered, um, uh, it's considered actually like really like important to meditate on it. Like if you really want to get into the Catholic faith, uh, like one of the symbols that you're really into the Catholic faith is that you actually pray a rosary every day as a sign of devotion. Uh, the rosary, if you guys don't know, is, uh, it's a necklace that has, 50 it's it's like 55 or 60 b it's been forever i don't have one anymore uh and like i said it i used to pray it but i you know you never when you're doing the thing you never think to like memorize all the statistics about it but uh pretty much uh you go through a story um so here let me actually pull this up for you guys okay so you go through these things they're called five mysteries and there's actually four different sets that you do uh, on Mondays and Saturdays, you go through the five joyful mysteries. And these are the events that all have to do with Christ's birth. On Tuesdays, you go through the luminous mysteries. And those were actually instituted by Pope John Paul II in 2002. So it's like the most recent like development with the, uh, the rosary was actually the luminous mysteries. And then you have the sorrowful mysteries, the five sorrowful mysteries that are related to Jesus's suffering and death. And they're supposed to be recalled on Tuesdays and Fridays. Then you have the five glorious mysteries. 
which is to remind the faithfulness of Jesus's resurrection and the glories of heaven. And they're prayed on Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, so essentially like there's three different main prayers that you do with it. So you start off with an our father. So that's actually the prayer that's, you know, that's the prayer that Jesus does our father who art in heaven. Um, then you do 10 Hail Marys. And then after that, you do a glory be, which is, you know, a glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning. It's now and ever shall be a world without an end. Um, I I will always <laughs> remember these prayers. Like I said, I, I prayed them all the time. I Whenever I visited my grandparents, they always made it to church early uh, so that they could pray the rosary together because uh, they, they believed that if, you know, if you pray the rosary, uh, God will listen to you uh, more. And it's, it's supposed to be like a, a sign of like great faithfulness. Um, so that's, that's the rosary. Um, and it comes from a Mary apparition, uh, in the uh, 13th century, I believe it was like 1208 or 1215 is when it's attributed. And, uh, it was actually later, uh, accepted by the Catholic church, I believe in the 15th century. And it went right back into prominence. Uh, it went it went back into prominence uh, following the Protestant Reformation. Actually, um, let's see. Let's go through a couple of these. <laughs> so there are a lot of different sightings, and they're from all over the world. Uh, there's ones that are in Mexico, France, England, Germany. There's some in the United States. Uh, let me just get into some of the the more uh, interesting ones. So there's one that's called Our Lady of the Miraculous Metal. Um, and it was reported that Mary appeared to a novice at the Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul one night in the Covenant Chapel and asked that a specific medallion be made, promising that, quote, all who wear this medal will receive great graces. The metal eventually produced is most commonly known as the miraculous metal due to the many miracles that were connected with it. The front of the metal displays a picture of Mary as Catherine described her, and the design on the reverse includes the letter M and a cross. Uh, there is also in 15, uh, that, that took place in 1830 in France. In Again in France in 1858, there was another one called Our Lady of Lourdes, uh, L-O-U-R-D-E-S. Um, Mary appeared to a shepherd girl who was out gathering firewood in the countryside. Uh, she, Mary, identified herself as the Immaculate Conception, quote-unquote, and told Bernadette, that was the name of the girl, of the location of a spring promising miraculous healings from the water. Uh, there were apparently over 60 medical cures associated with this, uh, the spring, uh, by the Catholic church. And it was established, uh, that this, the sighting was true. Um, the thing is though, that this is actually the only time that the idea of the immaculate conception is spoken of, like it's, it's taught and it's actually Catholic dogma. It's, it's actually Catholic doctrine that Mary is the Immaculate Conception. So you guys probably don't actually uh, know this now that I think about it. The Immaculate Conception, 
according to Catholicism, isn't just Christ who was immaculately conceived. Mary also had to have been immaculately conceived sinless. Mary had to be sinless in order for Christ to be sinless. The issue with this <laughs> is, one, that would mean that there had to be a, a pure line of sinless people from the beginning of time, which is impossible because both Adam and Eve, our federal head, and also the first man and woman, whom we all come from, were sinners. But the Catholic Church does believe that Mary is immaculately conceived, that she had to have been sinless in order for Christ to be sinless. And this is one of the only times that this is actually stated by somebody who is claiming any authority. In the United States in 1859, there is a, one that's called Our Lady of Good Help in Robinsonville, now called Champion, Wisconsin. There was a young Belgian immigrant woman named Adele Bryce who, walk, who was walking through a wooded area when she saw a beautiful one, woman standing between a maple and a hemlock tree. She saw the lady again and on her way to mass and walked past her again. After mass, she told her priest about the apparition and he told her to ask the lady, in God's name, who are you and what do you want of me? When Adele walked past the spot again, the lady was there. And Adele asked what she was told by the priest. The lady replied, I am the queen of heaven who prays for the conversion of sinners. She gave Adele the mission to pray for sinners and teach the children of the area their catechism. With the assurance, go and fear nothing, I will help you. <clears throat> Let's see. In Poland in 1877, there was another one, uh, another apparition called Our Lady of Gertzwald, in which she uh, answered that she was the Blessed Virgin Mary of Immaculate Conception. In 1876 in France, there was another one called Our Lady of Pilavosian. I'm not French. I probably butchered that. <laughs> um, but 1876, there was a French domestic servant named Estelle. Uh, Mary showed her the design of the scapular of the Sacred Heart and told her to ask her bishop to encourage its devotional use. In England in 1251, uh, according to Carmelite tradition, uh, this is called Our Lady of Mount Carmel. C-A-R-M-E-L, Carmel. And it is said... St. Simon was an Englishman, a great man of holiness and devotion, who always in his prayers asked the Virgin to favor his order with some singular privilege. The Virgin appeared to him holding the brown scapular in her hand, saying, This is for you and yours a privilege. The one who dies in it will be saved. So a scapular is essentially this uh, apron-like garment that uh, it, you wear it around your neck. These actually uh, still are being used today. And they do claim that if you die in it, uh, you'll be saved. Uh, it is, it's considered a holy garment. Uh, a lot of the people who are considered like really devoted, uh, like very serious of the Catholic faith, uh, wear their scapulars. I've never known somebody who's worn it, but there are plenty of people uh, that, that do wear them. Uh, and it's, it's considered a really big, uh, a really big thing to, to wear it. 
because if you do wear it, you will be saved. <laughs> so let's just say like I, I can go through there. There's plenty of other sightings. There's plenty of other things. I, I'm really just like scrolling through right now uh, and pointing out the ones that were really interesting. Let me just go ahead and, and put it this way for you guys. There are some things that are really always consistent in these miraculous appearances. You may have caught on to it, but essentially all of them are very strange. If I'm just, if I'm just being honest, uh, Mary always appears and she always points people's attention and devotions back towards the Catholic church or, uh, major changes in tradition and, uh, different rites and passages seem to be taught, become tradition and become like canon to the Catholic faith through these uh, images. Um, like for instance, the story of the rosary, if you notice though, um, a lot of these directly attack the gospel, if you really think about it, or they attack biblical orthodoxy. For instance, the, the story of the rosary and how the rosary came about, the rosary was put in place to replace the reading of the Psalms. It was put in place to get people farther away from the scriptures and put them into devotion to the rosary, which is honestly just, it's, it's a repetition of prayer. Like over the course of a rosary, you will pray a Hail Mary to Mary for over 50 times and you'll pray the our fathers five times the glory bees at least six times and there's a lot of different prayers and sayings that go into it but it's it really is just repetition of prayer it's just the repetition of the exact same thing over and over again and the bible's really clear that vain repetition isn't how you're supposed to pray christ never taught us to pray like that he taught us to pray directly to God. He taught us to pray, you know, he, he taught us how to pray and he showed us how to pray. And none of those prayers go towards Mary in the Bible. Christ would never have you pray to anybody but God. Another thing, when Mary appears and she says, I am the Immaculate Conception, the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception cannot be supported biblically. It has to be supported from this extra biblical like story. It's, it's not biblical. Uh, the, the Immaculate Conception of Mary is not something that's taught in the scriptures. It's not shown in the scriptures. It's not even shown by Mary. It's not shown by Christ. It's not shown by God. It's not shown by Gabriel. None of the people who interacted with Mary come to the conclusion that Mary was immaculately conceived. And there definitely is no time when God declares her the queen of heaven. If you notice in one of these uh, apparitions, Mary declares herself the queen of heaven. God never gives that title. In fact, in Isaiah, he says, I am God. My glory I'll give none other. In fact, in the scriptures, there's actually a group of people that claim to worship the queen of heaven. And God is very clear that he is against those people. Why would God suddenly have a queen in heaven if he didn't before? God never 
changes. God doesn't change his mind. If God's going to make something, he's going to make it clear from the beginning. Christ is in the beginning of the scriptures. Christ is talked about throughout the scriptures. Christ's position of authority is established from the beginning because he is God. God did not make Christ later. God did not give Christ authority and power later. Christ was revealed later. He came to earth later. He was resurrected later. But he existed from the beginning. Mary did not exist from the beginning. Mary was known from the beginning. The plan was the same. Mary herself did not exist. Mary's position as queen of heaven is not established in the scriptures ever. It has to be established from an apparition claiming to be Mary. Also, let's, let's talk about the scapular. The scapular claims that those who die in it will be saved. There is no garment. There is no tradition. There is nothing you can do physically to guarantee yourself salvation. That's what the scriptures say. The scriptures say that you cannot do anything. It is not by the work of man. It is not by your will. It is not by you and your doing. It is entirely based upon God, is based upon the work of Christ, is based upon his mercy. However, this apparition of Mary comes forth and says, hey, wear this thing, you'll be saved. It'll give you more grace. And then there was the, the, the miraculous medallion, the miraculous medal. Again, she goes forward and she says, this will give you extra graces. Okay, so if you wear this medal, if you wear this necklace, it'll give you extra graces. What does extra graces mean? In the Catholic tradition, extra graces would mean it'd probably knock off a few years from purgatory. It could guarantee your salvation. It could make it so that you could live how you wanted. It gives you extra grace in order for you to be counted more holy. That's not something that's established in scripture. There is never anything that is considered to help you get to heaven in the scripture. There is not a special medal. There's not special clothing. There's not a special meal or ritual or thing that you do that makes you more righteous before God. The only thing that can make you righteous before God is faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's the only thing established in scripture that will make you in any, any semblance <laughs> more righteous. Uh, and the thing is that that righteousness isn't even your own. Your righteousness is entirely based upon Christ and his work and what he does. Every apparition of Mary, whenever Mary supposedly appears, points people away from the gospel. It points people towards something that isn't going to do anything for them. Or it establishes a doctrine or practice or tradition that isn't found in the scriptures and is therefore unhelpful. 
Do these apparitions happen? I guarantee you they do. I guarantee you that these apparitions have happened. But here's the thing. That apparition is not Mary. It is not Mary. That apparition is none other than our enemy, the devil. It is said in the scripture that he can come as an angel of light. It doesn't say that he can't come as a woman or appear to be a woman or a man. He can appear to perform miracles. He can appear to do all these things. We see this through the Antichrist. We see this through a lot of false teachers. But the thing is that they're never fully fulfilled. And honestly, we have to remember that just because something is supernatural does not mean it's God. Just because there is something that happens that is beyond human nature and what we can do on the physical realm does not mean it's God or godly. Magicians and witches, for instance, in the scriptures are talked about as being able to perform many, many different miracles and signs and things like that. But they're not from God. In fact, they're against God. Psychics. It's not said that psychics can't see certain things if they have been given these powers and things like that, but they're not from God. In fact, they come from demons. And in one of the stories in Acts, they exercise that spirit because it is a demon. And she, she, the, the prophetess or the, the psychic could no longer see vision, could no longer see visions. Just because something is supernatural does not mean it is from God. Just because something comes to you claiming to be something doesn't mean it is something. Right? I can come up to you and I can claim that I'm the president of the United States. That doesn't mean I'm Joe Biden. Okay? It's the same way with spiritual things. We're supposed to be discerning. We're supposed to be paying attention to what these people are teaching, what these things are teaching, what these angels are saying what they're trying to teach, what they're trying to tell you, and where they're trying to lead you. Paul says Satan will come as an angel of light. In fact, he even says to be discerning. If we or an angel from heaven come to you preaching a gospel contrary to the one which we preach, let him be accursed. What's a different gospel? Anything that is not based upon the work and person of Jesus Christ. Therefore, what we see in the apparitions of Mary is the fulfillment of the scriptural warning that an angel of light, or in this case somebody claiming to be a dead saint, specifically Mary, is preaching a gospel contrary to the one preached in the scriptures, contrary to the one preached by the apostles. We need to be aware. We need to be paying attention. The number one way for us to be able to combat forces of darkness, these otherworldly powers, these spiritual powers that are at work in our age, is the scriptures. It's through prayer, 
to God, not to other people, not to saints, not to Mary, but to God and God alone. Prayers to Mary aren't going to do anything. Why do you think the devil wants them praying the Hail Mary 55 times? Because it's not going to do anything. It's a massive waste of time. Why do you think the devil wants people to believe that if they wear something, that they have more grace? Or that if they perform a certain thing, that they'll have more grace and power? Because then they're not going to be focusing on what actually saves. Devotion and faith to Christ and Christ alone. There was another apparition that appeared. Um, I couldn't find it. But in one of them, Mary went on to say that in order for somebody to be saved, they needed to perform reparations. They needed to pay back for their sins. They needed to. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all on the cross. And in fact, if we don't believe that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient, as the book of Hebrews would say, we sacrifice him twice. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. Faith in Christ saves. That's the gospel. That's what the New Testament teaches. In fact, that's even what the Old Testament teaches. That God would bring a Redeemer, and that Redeemer would save his people. When we are faced with a supernatural being, we really, really wish and hope that it's a real angel. But we have to be aware of what a real angel is going to say. And a real angel will never go contrary to the scriptures. A real angel will never have some revelation that cannot be backed up by scripture. What we're seeing is what happens when we believe in a spirit without being discerning of what the scriptures have to say about that spirit. Just because it claimed to be Mary and it said these things and there were some good things that came out of it, good world, like good things as far as like the world is concerned, miracles, yeah, you know, here healing of some diseases and ailments. But in the long run, there really isn't any eternal gain for a medical miracle, if you really think about it. But because it was associated with this vision of somebody claiming to be Mary, they didn't pay attention to what it was actually teaching them. They didn't pay attention to what it was actually trying to get them to do. And as a result, the Catholic Church and those who follow these apparitions are farther and farther away from the truth. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pull any punches. The Catholic Church continues to be in need of reformation. The church in the United States, the evangelical church, is in need of reformation. We're all in need of reformation. And part of the thing is, because we are not discerning the spirits, we are not paying attention to what is being taught, we are not paying attention to what is being emphasized. Benny Hinn continues to be popular. Why? Because he is associated with healing. He's, consi he's consistently preaching falsehood, but because he is supposedly doing good with medical healing, even though it's honestly a crock and it can be proven as such, people continue to not only celebrate, but allow him when we know what he's teaching is false. Todd White, because he is associated with supposedly healing people, we are not paying attention to what he is saying and we are not paying attention to what he is doing. We are not paying attention to the overemphasis by the charismatic crowd on tongues. We are not paying attention to what is driving us, the Christian church, farther away from the scriptures for the sake of nicehood or something that's positive coming from it, mainly our feelings. 
we feel spiritual. We feel connected because of these songs. But what's the spirit behind the song? We need to be discerning of the spirits. We need to be discerning of where it is leading us and what it is teaching us. Just because this is a grave, grievous example with the apparitions of Mary does not mean that we are better because we can also fall for these traps. We can also fall for these tricks. The apparitions of Mary always are associated with something great and miraculous, and they did not pay attention to what was being taught and what actually ended up happening. The appearance of the angel Moroni to Joseph Smith was considered miraculous, and there were things that he did and things that happened with the Mormons that gave it enough credibility that enough people followed it that it continues to be to this day. And people do not understand what was actually being taught by that spirit, what gospel was actually being preached. Those of us who know the real gospel, those of us who know the scriptures, can immediately identify Mormonism as false. Those of us who understand the scriptures and those of us who understand the character and nature of God can immediately point out the fact that these apparitions of Mary are nothing but satanic and Luciferian in their teaching. But we must remember when we are not being discerning, we can fall for these things just as easily. Pay attention. Pay attention to the scriptures. Pay attention to what is actually being taught. Pay attention to the spirit behind these teachings. This is why it is important to preach the truth, to teach sound doctrine, as Paul instructed Titus in Titus 2.1. Because when we are not teaching sound doctrine, when we are not emphasizing the scriptural truth, those of us who do not understand will be easily swayed away. I'm going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope that this becomes more of a regular occurrence, especially considering that October is Reformation Month. Let's see if I can probably pump out some more information about Catholicism. I did do quite a bit of study when I left. Uh, I was a Catholic for quite a few years, so I probably have enough stories and things like that. Let me know what you're interested in. Let me know what you want me to research. Uh, send me an email. Send me a text message if you know my phone number. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Anchor, uh, go check out my blog, johnnotquitecalvin.com. I have more blogs <laughs> uh, and articles. Uh, I tend to put more of those things out there if you want to get more of a flavor for uh, the type of person that I am, the type of humor that I have, and things that uh, I've taught in the past. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to end it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.